0: to have a look at a piece of scripture from the book of Revelation this morning, from the book of Revelation chapter 5 and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Humans have been given the gift of creativity by God as well. And so we have the opportunity to make all things new. I'm just wondering you don't have to, but are there any any persons present this morning who made a new year's resolution or two or 3 or 4 or more? <laughs> It's often the common conversation, isn't it, when you bump into people just after New Year. So, when we renew things, uh, we can restore or remake or upgrade something that's old. I see it happening all around me with houses in the suburbs. Houses disappear and new ones appear or maybe two or three appear on the same place. So that's a knockdown and a replacement job, that is. And then, but with God, God starts from scratch, from nothing, absolutely nothing. Designs and creates something very new. So, my memory of New Year's resolutions is it usually starts with. I'm going to do this. And it's usually focused on who we are. And it's usually focused on improving or becoming better or a healthier me and often a wealthier me, something that's all focused about me and my benefits and all the other blessings that I'm asking God to deliver by the truckloads through the year that's ahead. That desire to change personal relationships begins with what I'm going to or what I need. And sometimes it might be our resolutions and just sometimes to focus on somebody else. Because if they change, then I'll be all good. Because it's their fault that I'm like I'm in this mess that I'm in. So that's... uh, Sometimes we get into that trap and if it happens, I will be better. And my wife Jan who's a user of these electronic gizmos more than I am, that's why I've parked it and gone back to my paper. Um, If you are an Instagram follower, apparently there are some cracker New Year's resolutions on Instagram. And I know she's had a good laugh. So maybe you might be able to identify with some of that. But usually the change or the resolution is about making some sort of a social difference perhaps for me uh, or me to be personally different. And it begins with a resolution. And that's a firm decision. I'm going to do this. And then comes the need for a commitment. We've actually got to commit ourselves to whatever it is we said we're going to do and that's the difficult bit. And then the really hard bit is that it means we're going to have to change. And it's an area that I've had some fortunate blessings with studying the whole concept and the effect of change. And it's a major issue for all of us in all sorts of circumstances. And it means that we've got to get rid of something and replace it with something that's new or different, or something that we don't even like. And so it's a process that is common to our human condition. I wonder how often we make a New Year's resolution about Jesus and focusing our attention and our future with what it means for him to be in our lives what will be achieved in the progression of time about the things that I am going to do and that my life will be better and perhaps, maybe maybe not somebody else's life benefits from it, is a big challenge because once we start to focus on Jesus, things change. And that change is a real and everlasting change. It takes place by God at work within us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit nudging us. Working us individually and sometimes in a community. One of the biggest challenges that I've found in life is that once you get into community, it's not about me anymore, it's about a whole lot of us all agreeing on something particular and doing it. And that is a major challenge. So this morning fasten your seat belts. we're about to go on a speedy trip from Genesis to Revelation because the place where we need to focus all of this is in the scriptures. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you and thank you for being present with us this morning and may the meditation of my mind and the thoughts of my mind and my heart bring glory to your name. So let's begin at the beginning uh, when all that happened, because there was nothing, there was just a void, it all began. And we, where do we go to find that? When we open the book of scriptures, we find in the first book in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Yeah, let there be light. That's a good starting place because it's pretty impossible with darkness. And God saw that the light was good. And we know at the end of all that of piece of scripture that everything that God created was good. And then God made this massive decision in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26-27. He created something called a human being. And we find as we read into Genesis a little while later, he thinks that was a big mistake. (laughs) And so we're fairly fortunate that we're here this morning, aren't we? Because uh, if he'd left it at the end of the flood, then we wouldn't even exist. I find that there's a lot of exploration going on beyond the bounds of Earth. And the Hubble and the Webb Space Telescopes have given us some amazing images to consider. I grew up in a country where there was no artificial light and to look at the stars of heaven at night was an absolute wonder. I find that difficult where I live now. In Genesis 1, God brought light into the darkness and life into and onto the then void that we call planet Earth. At the beginning, the God I believe in already existed. Now, that's important. I don't know whether any of you have been watching, you know, some of the stuff that comes, but so many of the the scientists say that it all started with a big... Suddenly, it was all there. In the preconceived darkness and the emptiness of space, God took a piece of rock and made something very, very new out of it. And the more I view the images like that one that's on the screen, the more I believe that God exists. He was there before anything. And to believe in the existence of Jesus and his birth as a human is therefore very easy for me. Some people find that just so hard. I was raised in a home where my mother was a woman of deep faith and I've always known about Jesus. But there came a point in my life's journey where the step from knowing about to knowing Jesus in a personal relationship took place. And that is the beginnings of the transformation of our lives. There's a challenge for us to understand that God is constantly making things new, even in our own lives as we journey. And therefore we need to believe that there's more than the physical body, there's actually a a soul, the spirit of God dwelling within us. Remember in Genesis, God put his spirit when he made humans in his own image within us. And we find all of this like you get something from Ikea and you don't read the manual, or sometimes we get something from God and we don't read his manual, which is his Bible. The book we call the Bible, there are many stories that explain two relationships with God. There's the Old Covenant and there's the New Covenant. And God changed that Old Covenant into something new when Jesus came to earth. God in human form to dwell amongst us. And it's throughout the stories of the Old Testament, or for the Old Covenant, God continuously raised up some humans with special jobs. He had messengers and he had leaders, and they gave them specific tasks to try and get the people of the earth to focus back on him. And one of those special people was Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, 16 to 18. Isaiah is saying to the people, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. Learn to seek and to do justice and righteousness. Defend the oppressed and take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case for the widow." That piece of scripture is trying to say to the people, stop focusing on self and look out there for, after the needs of others. It's a major challenge. I just want to now quickly move on to three of the prophets who foretold that God had a plan. The plan of last resort that would be that he would usher in a new covenant And he decided that he would come to earth himself in human form in the name of his son, Jesus. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied in about 592 to 570, he proclaimed that God's son, Jesus, the Christ, would come as a human child among us. We find in Isaiah chapter 9, For to us a child is to be born, to us a son given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Out of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding, remember these words, justice and righteousness. And That's something that somebody does to somebody else. The problem with that prophecy is that the religious leaders of the day got it all wrong. They wrongly interpreted it because they thought it was all about them and the power that they had over the lives of others. And they believed that the child that was to be born was going to be a political leader, somebody who was going to give them total control as a nation over everybody else. And they missed the spiritual dimension. They missed that spiritual dimension of Jesus being the son of God. And we find in Ezekiel also in chapter 11 verse 19 and in 1831. The transformation is I will give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit within them. See the unknown you know it's that intangible dimension Rid yourselves in the offences you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Now, do we make New Year's resolutions about that or not? A new heart and a new spirit are one and the same. That is a renewed life for me, the individual, through the work of God, the Holy Spirit, and by his love and by his grace working within me that there is change in me of who I am. and it's something which is ongoing. It's an ongoing work. There will be new situations, new experiences, opportunities and challenges. And those, here's the word, changes, will bring us to a place where we need to change our thinking about our own attitudes and our own behaviours. And that is exactly what happened to the religion of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes when Jesus was born. But it's so sad that they missed the point. God took the Israelites' human religious belief of system of the time and radically changed it. The belief about who God was and how the people who were to relate to that understanding of God was to be obedient to the rules that they had around the temple focus of their religion. Jesus changed that a whole old covenant relationship and into it something new and very very different was ushered onto planet earth. We find in Matthew's gospel chapter 2 verses 4 to 6 where he quotes from the prophet Isaiah Just erase that bit like we're doing a handside handside thing from the prophet Micah he foretold of the place where Jesus was to be born but you bethlehem in the land of judah will be the place and then in luke's gospel we get a bit more detail the birth was to take place in a humble stable and there would be a declaration by angels not to the to the power holders of the land but to the lowest of people, the shepherds, by angels. And God came to dwell amongst his people. And the timing is also foretold in Luke's Gospel. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that had a census and had a census should be taken for the entire Roman Empire. And Quirinus was governor in Syria. So there's a date and a time and a place, all written. No accidental thing, no big bang, no whoops, how did that happen moment. And it's when we get into the post-life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that we find the need for the church to grow and understand more about what all that meant, that Paul writing to the Corinthians in chapter 2 of Corinthians, he writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Contrast that to the old temple relationship with God and all the blood and gore of animal sacrifice and the rules and regulations that you had to keep because they talk about religious police in another part of planet Earth at the moment doing awful things to people, but it was, in a sense, no different. It was about being obedient to those who had the power of the relationship with God. Be nearer God, the people of Genesis attempted to build a tower. They took the technology of the day and they got some big rocks and they put them up in a big heap and they got up to them hopefully through the clouds so that they were in heaven. And when they'd have achieved all of that, they'd be nearer God. Sound like believable? Well, sometimes we do things like that. We set out to build something so we get closer to God uh, and uh, It doesn't work. Going back to modern humanity, we've used that creative intelligence of God and we've blasted rockets past the stratosphere and into the unknown out there somewhere. And yet we still don't believe that God created everything, even what we create with our own hands from nothing? Do we give God the glory for some great idea that we've had? So there's an image coming from, you know, we've got this opportunity to see. We can see beyond what we can't see with our human vision. But do we believe that God has created everything that we're seeing on our television screens at night? Not generally. The hub and the web satellite images that are out there are just totally amazing. God uses the intelligence of the human mind to create for good. We have the capacity to take what is good and to make it better. And we all know that there's room for improvement. And that improvement in those two images that you can see on the screen, the the one on the left is from the original satellite that they shot out there and we all thought that was wonderful. And then this year past now, they can see that what they saw then was, like Paul talks about in a mirror dimly. And now, with a whiz-bang new thing better, they can see the more detail and human life is like that. Sometimes we see something, but it's a bit fuzzy. And it's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we can see beyond, into the reality of where God is at work in our lives and in the and in the life of the community around us. We have an opportunity to believe by, as the Scripture says, look to the heavens, look to the wonders around us. God is everywhere. So when we're writing up our list of things to do uh, and about change in a human life, there's that amazing hymn of John Newton's Amazing Grace. And in a sense, that sums it all up. It's the work of the Spirit of God in the lives of individuals that can take a slave trader and make him into something different. To write amazing words that we sing today with great meaning. So, I'm not sure what you wrote down for New Year's resolutions. I'm going to go back and have a look at the ones I wrote last year after today. Because, first of all, the preacher's supposed to speak to the preacher. So, I better go and have a look to see how well I did or didn't do. In 2023, which is today, day number one, there will be resident within the boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom stuff that goes on in here where, you know, we often say that's where the soul is, in the heart, just waiting for us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. And showing my age, there's that old chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Absolutely. Amazing. And then we will be blessed by the assurance that whatever else we might desire or resolve to have will fade away. Personally, just bear with me for a moment or two. This is an exciting new year for me. I, in my wildest dreams, would never imagine that I would stood or stand in a Baptist church and speak to a congregation. Dan, it's your fault wherever you are. But I'm pleased that Dan has asked me to Be here and to be a part of your community. It's 2023 years after the birth of Jesus. And this year is the year where I need to be able to surrender further my life to the work of Jesus. What is it that He expects of me in this new year? I'm hoping that my new year life is more Jesus-focused. That the ability to struggle between self and soul will result in a closer listening to the ear of the soul, to the word of the soul, to the call of the soul and not to the mind. To be more Christ-focused in this new year as a community, what will it mean for us? to be released in the coming 12 months, there's a development of value statement for this church community. And it begins with being Jesus-centred. And Dan is going to talk more about that as the year evolves. I've seen the beginnings of it and I'm excited by what that particular statement has for us. We got the scene of that little screen of the news statement. It's called Our Values. It's a really important document for us as we journey forward and I would encourage each one of you to get involved in it. Might mean you'll have to park your resolution for the new whatever it was. in my online Bible gateway study library, I recently found this short Bible study. It's a five-day Bible study and I've only skimmed it, but it occurred to me that if we're struggling with what to, to look into for our own lives and maybe as a group or whatever, and I'm not talking about the whole church, I'm just talking about this as a study for individuals to understand what it means to be a new creation. It's totally scripture-based, prepared by a good, faithful Baptist in America, and it's something that helps us to come to grips with what does it mean when God gets a hold of us and shakes us and turns us into something that we didn't expect. May we all go forth in peace, and love to serve our Lord and Savior in 2023. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at the hub Dot rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes see you next time